want to thank again the parents and the family who came to support your young people. We appreciate that. I know they do as well. Um, thank you for coming out for them. Um, the, the sermon is actually addressed to the graduates. If they're still here, they all ditch us. <laughs> but uh, they're all wet. Oh, there they are, back row. You're going to make good Pentecostal people in the back row. <laughs> well, this is the, the graduation service is an opportunity to acknowledge them, to bless them, and send them off in the next phase of their life. The services, the commencement they go through, they're greatly a great transition time in the time of the students as well as the parents. You know, how many remember your own graduation? Some of you maybe not too long ago, some of you maybe a long, long time ago. You remember all the seniors, they remember their graduation? Great. But these, these are times that they're gonna remember for a long time. I think most of us here remember our commencement. And we mentioned before that the truth is you seniors are now become the leaders of your churches, your businesses, your communities. You are the people that the community is going to look to for what you have next for them. You are now adults, and the decisions you make now will determine the rest of your lives, good or bad. You're on the greatest adventure you've had up to this point that you're ever going to take. This is an exciting time. I'm telling you, it's an exciting time for you seniors. Now, I thought about what to share today, and the verse kept coming to my mind that we all know, Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. How many have heard that verse before? How many have plaques and bookmarks and all kinds of things with that verse on it? Why? Because it's designed to encourage us. It may be even to challenge us. But it, it can only encourage us as far as we know why and when it was written. Sometimes we, we, we want to make sure that the verses we take out to hang our hats on actually mean what they say and actually apply to us. So let's look at why this verse was written, what was going on, who was it addressed to, and why was, why was it addressed to them? Well, at this point, Judah had been taken into captivity by the Babylonians. They were in captivity. They were taken from their homeland, and they were now basically slaves in the different country that they were brought into. They were brought there because of their sins against God. They had idolatry. They were, they were a million miles from God, and God said, okay, time's up. It's time to get your attention. It's time to bring you into a point where you have to actually cry out to me so I have your attention. I'm going to change your life. So he tells him he's going to take him into captivity. And for those folks that were taken there, it seems like an eternity. They were forced to leave an environment that they were comfortable in. Does that sound familiar? They were being dragged from their hometown into a new city, a new country, a new, new language, new everything for them. God was taking them someplace that was new for them to go to a place in a future that they didn't know. They had no idea what was going to happen, but they knew things were changing for them, just like it's changing for the seniors. They didn't know if they would have the future that they wanted, the lives that they wanted. They didn't know if God was going to still be with them. 
For I'm sure all of them had a whole bunch of unanswered questions. You folks, you seniors, you're leaving, for the most part, a Christian environment. Some of you already have jobs, some of you work outside, but for the most part, you've been, most of you guys who went to a Christian school, a lot of you guys, or most of you have been here for a lot of years, but now you're gonna get thrown into the world. You're gonna get thrown into places that aren't Christian in nature, aren't what you're used to. The difference is, are you ready for what's gonna happen? Just like Judah was taken into captivity, they had no idea if they were going to have the future that they wanted, the plans that they had planned weren't going to come to fruition. They wanted to know if God was with them. Everything, everything you do now, from now on, will probably be brand new for you. Situations may be uncomfortable for you for a time because you're not used to them. I remember when I moved to Florida, I went down about six months before Anna came down so the kids can finish school. And I lived with my folks at the time, and about the first week was great. But after the first week, I was really missing home. Even though the, the weather was great, everything was nice, I was missing the place that I was comfortable with. I was missing the kids, I was missing Anna. Everything was different for me and I was really missing it. And that's what's gonna happen to you at some point. But as I stayed in Florida, God began to change things and made me comfortable there. Kids came down, Anna came down and got involved in the church. God was able to take that anxiety and replace it with comfort and calm, even though it was a brand new place for me. You may have the question similar to that, what's gonna face me in the future? Am I gonna get to live the life that I wanna live? Will God be with me when I leave home, when I leave this church, when I leave my family? Now, this promise was specifically for the people of Judah, but it also is a great principle that we can apply to our lives. So let's look at it one section at a time. Verse 11 says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. That's the biggest question I think that most of us have. Does God have a plan for you? Does God have a plan? Do you think God has a plan for your life? Do you think God has mapped out what he wants you to do? The Bible tells us there's significant information that God has lined up for you so your plan is fulfilled. And each one of you is a significant part of what God wants to accomplish. You guys are just starting out. Seniors are just leaving home. You are the future of this church, of any church. What you do and how you live and what you plan, God has a plan for you because all of us aren't going to be here. 50 years from now, most of us will be gone. You all will be here. And your influence will be felt here 50 years from now. God has a plan for each one of you. There is something that you, each of you have. You have an ability, as we mentioned this morning, the giftings, whether it's singing and music or whatever it might be. Each of you has an ability that God wants to use, that God has gifted you with, that God has equipped you with, that God can use to further the kingdom of God as well as bless your life. Do you think that God knows what lies ahead for you? Do you think God sees into the future for you? Where you're gonna be five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now? Do you think God knows that? Absolutely. And he already has it mapped out what you're going to do in that process. Psalm 37 verse five says, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteousness shine 
like the dawn, the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. Proverbs 16.3, commit to the Lord whatever you do, your plans will succeed. If you trust God with what you plan for the future, and as you pray, you know what's going to happen? Your plans are now going to be what God wants. As you continue to read and pray and develop your relationship with Christ, the plans that you have will actually be given to you by God. Your desires, what you want to do, will be given to you by God. The Bible says that he who desires the office of a, a preacher or whatever desires a good thing. You know why he says that? Because God has put that desire in you, so there it's, therefore it's a good thing. So whatever your desire are, as you're serving God, that desire is going to transform into what you want, and you'll enjoy doing it. If you trust God with the plans that he gives you, God will put you exactly where he wants you to be. Jeremiah 20, 11, 29 11, the second part, plans to prosper you. Now, the Bible says if you follow God, he's going to prosper you wherever you go. Now, prosperity, as we know, doesn't always mean things, money, or, or anything that's material. Because the Bible tells us to be, to be prosperous is this. 3 John 2, it says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health. How? Just as your soul prospers. God wants to prosper you spiritually more than anything else. His desire is to make you into the adult he knows you can be. That's prosperity for God. Once you do that, once you seek God and get his spiritual blessing, everything else is going to come. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And what? Everything else will be added unto you. So God wants to prosper you not just materially. He wants to prosper you spiritually. If you prosper materially and do not prosper spiritually, you gain nothing. Your life will not be what God wants it to be. And, and in fact, it's not going to be what you want it to be. The ultimate goal for them being in captivity was to bring them back to himself. God wanted Judah to get their attention, basically, and bring them back to his, their relationship with him. Matthew 16, 26 says, What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Judah at the time was prospering materially. They had a lot of great things, a lot of money, but they had no relationship with God. They had, their relationship with God was just gone. And so God, in his attempts to get their attention, to bring them back, because that's his goal in everyone's life, is to bring them to him. Once he had to get their attention, he was able to change them from the inside out. Now, the reason that Judah was taken into captivity, the, the main reason was because they worshipped idols. That was their thing. That would, instead of worshipping the true God, they would worship idols. And so what God did was he brought them into a place of captivity, and the captivity was meant to prosper them. Now, you think about it, and you think, how can captivity prosper you? What was God's goal? God's goal was to prosper them spiritually. And while they were in captivity, God was able to prosper them spiritually. And if you look at the history of Israel to this day, now they may not be serving Christ, but to this day, they, do, they are not idolatrous. God was able to change them from being an idolatrous country to being one that served the, the God of the Old Testament. God's plan for them worked. And God's plan for each one of us is to prosper you spiritually. He wants you to be what he, what he knows you can be. 
If you seek God first, God will take care of the other situations in your life. The verse goes on and says, and not to harm you. Now, think about that. Where were they? They were in captivity. They were away from their home and they had lost all their possessions. They were basically slaves in a foreign country. And God tells them, I, my plan is not to harm you. Do you think that they thought being in captivity was harming them? If I'm them, I'm thinking this is not quite great. This is kind of harming me. We're taking in, being, uh, being taken into captivity as slaves. We're losing all of our possessions. And God, you said it's going to be for quite a while. Where is this prosperity? Where is this blessing you said was going to come my way? And what do you mean you're not causing me harm? This is actually harm. God wanted them to know at this moment that even though it may be difficult right now, that he was still with them and he's going to bring them out of where they were. The captivity was not going to last forever. He's telling them not to lose hope over what may be happening in the, in the immediate time in front of them. How many of you have experienced hard times so far in your life? We've all experienced them. God didn't leave you, did he? God brought you through those times. It may have been very difficult doing that, but God brought you through them. And sometimes in God's attempt and God's design to make us mature, he allows us to experience hard things so that we can grow. And at the time, we don't understand them, but as we look back, you see where God was working. I'll give you a great example of that. When my daughter was nine months old, fell on the stairs, gassed her head open, and we're taken to the hospital, and they had to stitch her up. So at nine months old, they had her on a backboard, bulk velcroed in, and sticking needles in her head to sew her up. At nine months old, all she knew, because I was sitting right with her, that my dad was allowing some guy to cause me pain. No matter how much I tried to explain to her what was happening and why it was happening, she's nine months old, unable to understand it. As her father, I allowed that to happen because I knew it was best for her. I knew in the long run, the stitches needed to be done to make her better. No matter how much I tried to rationalize that and explain it, she could not understand it. And I think there's times in our life where we cannot grasp what God is trying to do. We don't have the intellect to be able to understand what God is planning for us at this particular moment. When we're through it, now she's 33, so she gets it. But at that time, she didn't. The older we get and the more we see God working, working through the hardships, we see where God has matured us, made us stronger, made our faith more of what it was supposed to be because of the hardships. I was talking to the teens today about, you know, what's, in, what's coming up, what's in the future, and what can I control, what can I control? And we kind of agreed, you do all that you can do to the best of your ability, and the things that you can't control, you give to God, right? Because you can't control them, and if you worry about them, now you're going to be drawn away from God. But the things that you can't have any control over, you've got to give that to God and, God and trust God for what he has planned for you. God never promised us that he would take us out of the hardships. 
he told us he would take us through the hardships and that when it was over it would be for our good Romans 8 28 as we and says we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose there's a scripture that I, I like to relate about not understanding what God's doing it's first Corinthians 13 12 it says now we see things imperfectly as in a poor mirror but then we will see everything with perfect clarity all that I know now is partial and incomplete but then I will know everything completely just as God knows me now we may not understand what God is doing because we're looking through a glass darkly we can't see the end from the beginning we can't see what God's doing the beauty is God already knows the end he knows what's going to happen he knows where we're going to be when this is done God's goal with Judah was to bring them back spiritually so they can experience the blessings of God the last verse says plans to give you a hope and a future when you leave high school everyone has kind of a plan of what they want to do they may not know exactly what they want to do but they're excited about what their plans could be everyone has a plan everyone has a hope we hope for a good job we hope for a good marriage we hope for health the question here is do you hope for a meaningful and life-changing experience with Christ every one of us plans for the future we plan education we plan to buy a home we plan to buy a car we plan to buy this we plan for retirement do we plan for what's going to happen when we die one of the things that's happening now if you're getting to be my age or so you're looking at the retirement portfolios and stuff that you got going on and the number one thing is people who plan for retirement most of them do it too late too late in the game to really amass enough money to support themselves and you look at that and you look at eternal life the best thing we can do is to plan now for what's going to happen sometime in the future none of us are guaranteed tomorrow no matter how young or old we are none of us are guaranteed that so what we have to do is we have to plan now and the best time to do that is when you're young when you're a teenager I got saved when I was 30 I wish I wish I can go back and do it younger I would have saved a lot of grief in those 18 20 years when I wasn't a Christian don't make the same mistake don't wait and think you've got tomorrow or when you're 30 you'll do it or when you're 40 you'll do it or maybe you'll do it on your deathbed the truth is there are very little deathbed confessions because most often than not people die without warning heart attack car accident whatever you can't wait and think you're gonna do it at the last minute you have to make the decision for Christ right now the Bible says today is a day of salvation not tomorrow not next week right now there's a, there's a, a game out or a book out called when the game is over it all goes back in the box how many have heard of that we went through that a little bit on Wednesday night it's a 
it talks about the end of your life. If, how many of you play Monopoly? I hate Monopoly. <laughs> it takes too much concentration, too much time, and people get too cutthroat in Monopoly. But the point is, you get, you get into the game, and you, you put all your time into it, and guess what happens? The game eventually ends, and what happens? You dump it all back in the box, and you go on with your life. The point is, if you invest everything you have in just playing the game, when the game's over, what are you going to do? It's all back in the box. The goal, the, the point of the book was, when your life is over, that's what you plan for. Not for what's happening right now, but you plan for the future. You plan for what happens when you leave this planet. Now, it may seem like I'm addressing older folks here, but really, you want the teens, I want the teens to really serve God all their life. Not wait. They can have the blessings of God now. Not wait until they're 30 or 40 or whenever they feel like it's time. Because trust me, it'll never be time. There'll always be something that's going to take place. If you want to be successful in God's eyes, our plan has to be to end well. Not just start well. I'm not a runner. Anybody a marathon runner? I got a friend of mine back home. He runs marathons all the time. I don't get it. But he does it, and he's really good at it. And the point of the marathon thing is not how you start, because everybody starts. They all start pretty much equal. It's how do you end? Do you finish the race? You guys are just starting out now, but you need to plan for how you're going to end the race. God has a plan for each one of you. His plan is to prosper you spiritually. As he prospers you spiritually, trust me, God will take care of all the needs that come your way if you trust him with them. God will enab enable you to live your lives in such a way that not only will you finish well, but you'll be blessed along the whole path of your life if you trust God starting or continuing today. Because I know you all serve him now. Would you stand? And that ending well thing is, is good for us older folks too. We have to plan for how we're going to end. So <clears throat> would you bow your heads for a moment? We address the seniors today. We address the changes that are taking place in their life and what God's going to do. But the message is the same regardless of what age you are. And the entirety of the message can be summed up in one sentence. Do you have a relationship with Christ? Not do you go to church. Not do you give money. Do you have a relationship with Christ? And the Bible says the only way to have a relationship with Christ is to believe that we're all sinners. The Bible says everyone has sinned and we all fall short of what God's standard is. But the good news is that Jesus came to cover that sin, to forgive that sin. 
But the Bible refers to it as a gift. And I can have a gift up here on the altar that's wrapped for you. You can believe that gift is there. You can know your name is on it. And you know it's for you. But if you walk out of here without coming up to the front and taking that gift, that gift does not do you any good. You may believe that Jesus existed. You may believe that the Bible is a good book and that Jesus was a prophet. But the Bible says, if you confess with your mouth and believe with your heart that Jesus is the Lord, in other words, he saved you, his death was payment for your sin, and you accept that in your life, then you have the relationship. The Bible says God stands at the door of your heart and he knocks. He wants that. He is desiring of that relationship. But the Bible says you have to open the door. The Bible says I stand at the door and knock. He who opens it, I will come in and eat with him. If you're here this morning and the reason you're here, you may think that you're here because you came for the graduation service, you came because it's Memorial Day, whatever the reason was. The truth is there are no accidents and no coincidences in God's kingdom. God orchestrates everything so that his plan will be fulfilled. In other words, you're here because there's something that happened today that God wants you to hear or to see or to witness or something that is happening today that God wants to get your attention. And the reason he wants your attention is because he wants you to open the door for him. If that's you, and you don't have that relationship, but you want it, or you want to know about it, I want you to raise your hand right now. That's the reason you came today. Father, we thank you. We thank you that we're able to celebrate all the things that you're doing in our life. With the transition of the worship team, the worship leader, and the graduation of our seniors, Lord, we know that life continues to move on. And we know that you're there already. And we're excited for what you're going to do. We're excited for the changes that is going to happen in both the young people and in our church as the young people now step up to lead. So, Lord, I pray your blessings upon those, those who are graduating. I pray the anointing and power of God would be upon them and they would feel your direction, your leading, and they would serve you all the days of their life. And for us, Lord, we thank you that we're able to be a part of what you're doing in their lives. And Lord, we know that you're working in our lives as well. So we pray your continued blessing, your continued direction upon us. Continue to give us wisdom for all that we encounter during the week. And allow our lives to be a reflection of the goodness that you've poured into us because of Jesus. So Father, we just commit ourselves to you. Use us, Lord, as you will. Help us to serve you the best that we can and allow lives to be changed through us and because of us. So Lord, I commit each person to you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. Have a tremendous Memorial Day. Don't remember the soldiers who gave it up for us. <laughs>